Wilson, like a cork in the ocean over his head. Marking contest over the top, Subic's great grab. Across the ground, bam, in comes Donny Wurzlow. Got it out to a oh. kick, kick smothered, check, Hunter. Who would have thought the sequel would be just as good as the original? Kicks inside 50, McGovern, McGovern, what a player. Shank needs to be in perfect the the premiers of 1992. The 1994 premiers. Premiers. The 2018 AFL Premiership team. The West Coast Eagles. G'day everyone. Welcome to the Big Footy Eagles podcast for another week. Round the Eagles' victory over Gold Coast. We're talking the latest in injury news, a little bit of a waffle watch as well. We're talking the breaking news on the West Coast Eagles' front. And, of course, we're going to have a look at the Eagles' clash on Sunday against the Western Bulldogs. I'm your host, Honey Badger 35 I am joined once again this week by Miguel Sanchez. Miguel, how's things? Yeah, good. Yeah, um, footy's back, so it's great. And, yeah, we've started the season on the winners list, so... Everything's rosy. Can't argue with that at all. Another return to the pod, not just this week, but indeed this season. It's a season return for an old fan favourite. Please welcome back Mr. KK. Nice to have you back on the show, mate. Glad to be back. Yeah, I think I've achieved veteran status, so I got a slightly longer (laughs) off-season. But um, I'm here and ready to go. Excellent, excellent. Skipped all that padding, skipped all that filler right into the real thing. Well, speaking of right into the real thing, guys, let's dive in because the Eagles defeated the Suns and there's no better time to talk about it than right now. West Coast Eagles, 12 goals, 11, 83, defeated Gold Coast, 8 goals, 10, 58. We'll start with some of your three-word reviews. Thank you very much to everybody who got in touch with the show at WCEBF Pod. We're always asking for your three-word reviews, so thank you to everyone who sent some in. Uh, a couple here. Nigel West said, first win, tick. LC on Twitter said, need pace bad. That's something we might circle back to a little later on in the show. Stephen Goff said sons are good. And similarly, James Russell pointed out that Eagles experience showed. And last but certainly not least, a bit of a theme because we had a fair few sent in. Thank you to Matt Kelly, Matt Sibum. We had James Hutton, West Coast Laker on Twitter. We had Jim Eggs on Twitter. Bit of a theme to this one. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. We had a second Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oscar Allen party, Oscar friggin' Allen and Allen, Allen, Allen. We had Leslie Van Stan on Facebook say that Oscar Allen, our next captain... Mr. KK, how bloody good was he on the weekend? Uh, he was fantastic. I had big hopes for Oscar this season. I really think he, he's ready to step up. He was already established part of our 22, but I, I really look at him taking that mantle as one of our, our two main key forwards alongside Darling as Kennedy's sort of comes to the tail end of his career. And we needed him on the weekend. Uh, a tough game. Gold Coast are always going to be tough opponents. And then he's really stood up as a, as a leader. I think he's sort of marked himself out as a as a leader in a big game former since since we signed him, and just re- really happy that uh, the, the faith that the club's put in who's been repaid, and that personally my hopes for him this season look like they might be coming to fruition. Miguel, I've just gone through a couple of very nice, very welcome three word reviews, ones that I was absolutely glad to see on the Twitter account, on the Facebook account. There was one that crossed my path, and I absolutely hated it. I did not want to see it whatsoever. And it was from yourself. You have put scoreboard flat at us. Take us through your thoughts on the game. The Eagles obviously did get the win, 25 points in the end. 
take us through why the scoreboard flattered us and, you, and generally what you made of the round one clash. Uh, well, it's probably not a, a criticism of us, of us so much as it's complimentary of Gold Coast, but I thought they matched it with us for um, for most of the game. Um, obviously, we had that flying start you know, with three goals in four minutes and, and Oscar kicked two of them. Uh, and then when we got challenged in the last quarter and we were, I think we were seven points down, a minute into it and then we clicked into gear then and, and kicked four or five unanswered goals but apart from those periods it, it felt like we just sort of struggled to get the game on our terms a bit Gold Coast seemed to be playing a very similar style of game to us you know going you know, maintaining possession going back and across and, and you know, waiting for options to open up felt like the first game of the season because the skills of both sides were a bit off our um, certainly our effort couldn't be faulted uh, from the players, especially in the, the hot conditions. It was it was hot up in the top deck of Optus, so God knows what it was like out in the sun on the ground. Yeah, I thought the effort was really good, even though the the tackling numbers were way down. I think that was probably just a, a side effect of the uh, the game style and, and the new rules a bit. Um, but yeah, I thought Gold Coast matched it with us for pretty much all the game, apart from those little periods on either side basically broke even in the clearances, um, broke even in the contested possessions. We relied, as we usually do, pretty heavily on getting the, the clean taps from Nick Nat and the clean clearances, and, and that's certainly when we looked our best, when uh, particularly Kelly was running forward and delivering to our um, our players in the forward 50. But, yeah, I thought um, really Gold Coast were a bit unlucky to be four goals down. Could have been five goals down at the end if Cripps had nailed that shot after the siren. Uh, and yeah, finding themselves second last on the ladder now, I think it's a bit unlucky for them because they were, were with us for most of the way. Of course, if Cripps had missed that last shot, the Eagles would have won by 24, which is exactly what Keyes predicted. <laughs> so g'day Keyes, if you're listening back to this one, and uh, we'll see you on the show again in the future. He's off celebrating at the moment. Yeah, he's streaking down the street. Uh, KK, Miguel just touched on then the number of marks and there were 282 combined marks in the game, uh, the Eagles took 145 ourselves. It was the eighth most in a game combined since 2008, says Sir Swamp Thing. Uh, Ryan Daniels continues on that trend, talks tackles instead. Round 1 2019, the average tackles was 124 in a game. Round 1 2021, the average was down to 103. Eagles Suns had just 73. So a very different game style. Marks were up, contested possession, congestion was down. Do you think that's a factor of the new rules? Do you think it's just round one, hot day, playing a bit different? Or or do you think that's something that's going to be sustainable throughout the season? Yeah, I think in terms of our game, it's big ground, hot weather, round one. Both teams seem pretty content to, to chip the ball around. Uh, both teams kind of restricted the corridor as much as they could and relied on their defence. So there was a lot of opportunities to, to move the ball from defence at least up, up to the wing pretty um, with pretty low risk. And both teams have taken that opportunity to do that. So I, I don't know if it's going to be a trend throughout the season. I mean, the other games I saw tended to be a lot more of the your sort of style of 2019-2020 where there was a lot of tackles, a lot of congestion, a lot of rushed and pressured situations. So particularly the, the Crows-Geelong game, there was very little space for particularly Geelong in that game. Adelaide just really hunted them down. And in our game, that really wasn't the case. I was a bit concerned at times with how quickly and how easily Gold Coast were able to move the ball. But really our defence sort of stood up when they actually got to the pointy end of the ground. And it, it's a bit hard to, to tell when you're watching the games on TV how much teams are moving the ball well on their own behalf or just if the other team's kind of letting them have that, that free possession in a non, non-dangerous non part of the ground. And I think there's probably a bit of that 
through our game on the weekend. Of course, the reason we're using 2019 stats there rather than 20 is because of the change in the length of quarters. So you will see a lot of comparisons this year, I think, 2021 versus 2019. Um, we're not just airbrushing 2020 out of history, although I might like to, but Miguel, we'll carry on with the pod. We'll carry on with the 2021 focus. Forward entry was a big issue for me, and it was something that the the guys seemed to tidy up in the fourth quarter, and it really did lead to the Eagles kicking on, you know, five unanswered goals and really getting the win, grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck there. Again, is this a long-term problem? Is this something that they've figured out in the fourth quarter? Because there was a lot of hitting and hoping, and albeit, you know, Allen can go and grab him, Darling took a mark of the year contender, of course Ryan can go and get him, but are we relying too much on individual talent and not doing enough to help the forwards out? Yeah, the quality, I think, of the, the forward 50 entries was the issue for those, the second and third quarters, and, and bits of the first as well, where it seemed we were going in very shallow, as well as just bombing it. And yeah, the problem with that is you allow the Gold Coast to run it out if you don't bring the ball to ground. I'm sorry, if you do bring the ball to ground, if you don't mark it. And that's a disadvantage of playing the tall forward line is if you don't mark it, then uh, you're less able to chase them as they're, um, chase the opponents as they're running away with it. So yeah, I did notice um, at the ground a lot of those entries, yeah, there, there were plenty of the, the sort of bomb and hope entries um, to a pack. And, and also they were only kicking to sort of you know, 40 to 45 metres out where particular that first quarter, the three kicks, the three goals in the first five minutes, they were all you know, kicked to probably 20 to 25 metres out from the goal square. So yeah, that's where we were able to um, to really take advantage. So, yeah, we need to get the, the quality of entries to you know, actual marking targets as opposed to just bombing to a pack and and you yeah, need to get the deep entries because we can't afford to be letting the opponents bring the ball to ground if we've got the um, we've got the big forwards. And, you know, Darling and, and Allen are still pretty agile and Kennedy's pretty agile for his age, but he's getting on a bit now and you know, can't expect them to bring the sort of manic defensive pressure that you know, someone like Jermaine Jones, if, if he had played or... Um, or Willie or someone could have brought. So, yeah. Sorry, Miguel. Jermaine Jones did play. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, he yeah. recorded zero kicks, zero marks, zero, zero handballs, zero disposals. Time, yeah, but it's officially yeah, credited. one game played. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go on a sweary keys rant if we go much further into that. So, yeah, yeah let's, let's not touch that. Let's min off the sub chat. Fair enough. Uh, KK, swinging it to the other end of the field. As I said, a lot of marks in the game and a lot of high disposals in the game. So maybe the number's a little bit skewed, but I, I was pretty bullish on the games of a couple of our younger or, or sort of rounding into their prime defenders. You've got guys like Barras. You know, he had 13 marks and 22 touches. 22 touches for Tom Cole. That's a career high. Jackson Nelson had 19. There was a lot to like. You've always got Shepard there. You've always got McGovern there. But the support cast or the guys that are going to need to pick up some heavy lifting really played a nice game in round one. Yeah, our, um, our defence as a whole was magnificent. I was really impressed. Like, Tommy Cole was one of the guys you mentioned. I listened to the pod last week, and if I'd been on and you asked for someone to have a breakout season, I would have said Tommy Cole because he oh, really... It's convenient. Yeah, they really cemented himself <laughs> in, the, uh, <laughs> in the 22 last season. And he's carried that that on in round one this season, so that was that was really pleasing to see. Um, I'm not going to get into the Jackson Nelson debate because it just fires people up, but he's doing his job. He's, he's never going to be the one of our top six players, but he's doing his role. And as a young player, he's building into making that position his own. And uh, and the older guys around him, I say Shep Hearn started the season a lot better than he did the previous year, obviously. And really, like our, our defense was what won us the game. And for a game that we struggled in for three quarters, we ended up second on ladder on percentage. And that's purely because we kept them to only eight goals for the game. 
and, and two of them were pretty much gimmies when we just turned the ball over in terrible situations. So, yes, hats off to all the defenders and, and particularly the young guys you mentioned. Taking a quick look at the injury list, we've talked all preseason about how the list is not exactly where we want it to be. There's a lot of key players on there, but nothing major by way of news. Everyone sort of just continued to truck along with their with their progression. Everybody's by and large, everybody's moved up by a week. So running through it now, you've got Jared Cameron three to four weeks with a groin, Mark Hutchings three to four weeks with a knee. That one might have blown out by a week or so. So something to watch there. Luke Shuey, one to two with the hamstring. Dan Venables, of course, is still TBC with a concussion. Jake Waterman, one week with the back. It'd be fantastic to see him come back, hopefully sooner rather than later. Bailey Williams, ankle, two to three weeks. And Elliot Yo, unfortunately, is still TBC. There's a lot by way of depth in a lot of spots. There's not so much by way of depth in the midfield. It's been the same challenge that we've seen for the Eagles all throughout the last couple of years. Miguel, I understand you got down to the waffle scratchy, though, as the Beagles had a bit of a hit out. Was there anybody that you saw in a Beagles jumper that was sticking their hand up to maybe push through and, and really challenge for a spot while we've got a few guys on the shelf? Uh, well, I'm not sure he'll get picked um, as anything other than the uh, the Jermaine Jones 23rd man, but um, Archie, I thought, was the, the standout um, from that waffle game. Uh, he had a hand in most of our goals, kicked two himself, had some good highlights. Yeah, just uh, imposed himself on the contest. That's that's really the performance you want to see uh, from him when he goes down to the waffle level because he should be dominating. Jared Brander was the uh, the standout, according to everyone else, not me, as you might see if you go in the waffle thread. Um, oh no! Oh <laughs> uh, well, I, I reckon when I watch games live, I sort of I, I find that I uh, underestimate or underappreciate the um, the games that the inside bids play, um, just because you know, it's hard to see what they're doing inside the bottom of the pack, but. So Brander, if he played mostly inside mid, then I could see why I wouldn't notice him so much. Um, Just to deviate quickly away from broader waffle chat and you know, yeah. race through this one, because we've spent a lot of time talking about Jared Brander already, yeah. but he was drafted as possibly a forward, possibly a back. He was moved to a wing. We've seen him play forward in the AFL, seen him play wing, and now you're saying he's spending serious midfield, inside midfield minutes? Yeah, apparently. I thought he played inside and outside a bit, but um, commentary from... Um, journos and, and uh, Simo, Simo answered one of my questions about it on the club website, which was nice, saying he, he played mostly inside. So, yeah, but we're, we're certainly uh, trying to find a position for him. I'm not sure this throwing him around is helping much. But, yeah, so uh, he reportedly had a good game in the middle. Oh, a similar note, True and Luke Edwards played mostly um, in the middle. Zane True, that is. Uh, so I didn't see a lot of them, um, but they both seemed to play pretty well. Zaya Winder had some real moments of uh, of class, um, bobbed up and down a bit, but yeah, definitely one to watch for me. Uh, Foley and Johnson were pretty dependable down back. Johnson, for some reason, didn't get a mention in the club's write-up of it. They seemed to forget him, which isn't a good sign. For his selection, Harry Edwards played well down back as well, although he had a couple of shaky moments early that led to Swan's goals. Uh, Ainsworth, uh, similar to KK with, um, with Nelson. I don't really want to get into the Ainsworth debate, but uh, you seem to play mostly outside. They seem pretty committed to making him a winger. Uh, not convinced about that. I don't think his disposal is ever going to be uh, at a level where we want him on the outside. Good to use those foot skills. You love that. Send him out well, wide. I, I suppose you can develop them out there. But yeah, uh, Witherden's the only guy I've missed, I think. Um, he was a bit quiet, quieter than you'd want for someone who is probably on the cusp of selection. And um, he did sneak forward and, and kick a goal in the last quarter. But yeah, I don't think he's pushing. 
uh, Nelson or, or anyone else out of that back line for the Bulldogs game this week. Oh, and I just I don't know if you mentioned Callum Jamison and the injury list. He didn't play that waffle game. He was uh, they said on the club website uh, in the injury update this week that he had a groin issue but he'd be right to go for the weekend's game and I think the Waffle team is playing um, East Fremantle at Black Lane on Friday night. And another bit of news this week on the West Coast Eagles front now this one KK is uh, it's up in the air it's going to be up in the air until the very day that it happens because it relates to crowd capacity in WA it relates to COVID we know the news is always fluctuating there's always going to be an update but according to Paddy Sweeney Round five, West Coast Eagles versus Collingwood. That is the first date that a full crowd is anticipated to be back at Optus. And the reason that that game is significant, not only in that it's a rematch of the 2018 grand final, of last year's final, it's a pretty anticipated match anyway, but KK, it is also, assuming he plays the rest of the games until round five, Shannon Hearn's day to break the club game's record. He would notch up game 2-9-1 in round five against the Pies. How significant would that be for him to notch up that milestone in front of a packed Optus Stadium? That'd be beautiful if it worked out that way. Um, especially this this time last year, we were wondering if he was going to get to any milestones the way he was travelling form-wise. But happily, he turned it around and he, he started well this season. Uh, for a man who looked 35 when he was drafted and <laughs> still looks the same <laughs> looks the same age now, uh, well done to him. He's been a great servant of the club. He was a, a really important um, captain and leader. Um, at the time when we needed that, and yeah, just been a, the rock of our defence, and deserved all the plaudits he's he had and the the All Australians and every other accolade. So, yeah, really, really happy for him. Great champion of the club, and be awesome if be a, we get a full house for there for that. And um, let's just hope we don't bloody lose another home game to Collingwood. Quite frankly, given <laughs> our last two efforts. So um, yeah, fingers crossed it all goes well, and uh, fingers crossed we actually do get to that full capacity we don't want another season interrupted like last year for a number of reasons so hope everything keeps moving in the right direction in terms of crowds it's time to debut a new segment what we're hoping will be a recurring segment a weekly segment and it's pretty much just an opportunity to get a good rant in because keys has been going for it miguel and myself we've been going for it over the last few weeks and it's good to just you know have a bit of a rant, get it off your chest. So we are debuting Heroes and Villains from the time being. Uh, that is what it's going to be called. We'll, we'll maybe have a chat on social media and see if anybody can come up with some some names or you know a few different categories, things like that. But for now, guys, Heroes and Villains, and the way it's going to work is basically we're going to list people or objects or things, events that have made our week as an Eagles fan good and things that have, you know, frankly made them worse. So let's I'll throw open to you guys. Anybody have at it? Any villains for the week? Ooh, West Coast Eagles related. Um, I don't really want to throw many of our players under the bus, but Petrocelli was pretty visible, I've got to say. I, uh, I'm in a chat group with some Frio mates, and they were pretty much torching their players after round one. I said, oh, yeah, same old, same old. Wait for tomorrow, and Petrocelli and Nelson will be getting all the brick bats from our guys, and that's exactly how it turned out. But, yeah, uh, disappointing, to say the least, and um, we'll get to that in changes, but hopefully it's not a sign of things to come. There is uh, a Milwaukee Bucks player, Tony Snell is his name, and he once had a game where he played 28 minutes of NBA action, keeping in mind that an NBA game only goes for 48 minutes, so that is a long, long time to be out there. Zero points, zero rebounds, zero assists, zero blocks, zero steals. It was just a phenomenal game. It's gone down in history, and I unfortunately saw a Photoshop with Petricelli's face on Tony Snell's body earlier in the week. So, Miguel, uh, never good on that front. 
let's maybe save the boy and we'll pivot away from it. Any villains from you this week? That's a really sort of niche meme. Asking people to cross over with detailed NBA knowledge as well. Well, I knew uh, it, so, you know, there's there's dozens of us, mate. Um, I couldn't think of an Eagles one, but um, just AFL-related, and I'm sure he'll come up a a fair bit in this segment, uh, even though he's uh, he's lost the presidency of Collingwood. Uh, Eddie (laughs) Maguire seems to be trying to come out of irrelevance by just throwing up the Port Prison Bar jumper yet again. Should really be a non-issue. I think Port should just be allowed to wear whatever they like in games that Collingwood's not playing in, and it just seems to be Eddie making it an issue to to get back in the headlines. Yeah, I was hoping that losing the presidency would see him sort of gradually drift out of sight, but uh, he seems to be clinging desperately to any headlines he can get. And uh, and he, he's making me side with Port Adelaide and, and Buddy Koshy, which feels wrong and dirty. So, yeah, Eddie's my nomination. Absolutely. Uh, I've got another Eagles-related one, and this one's a bit of a tough one as well. Like you said, KK, you don't want to throw your own guys under the bus, but Adam Simpson today in the press conference, he's trying to eliminate the word tagger from the football uh, vocabulary, it's no longer tagger. He's changing it into cooler, as in, you know, like cool a player off if they're, if they're heating up or whatever it is. Absolutely hate that. Get that in the bin. So, Adam Simpson, I'm sorry, but you're nominated for a villain. And what about Kane Corns, Miguel, while we're talking about journos and people in the footy media? Paper Today, West Australian Paper Today, he's unfortunately, he started writing for the West. The back page is an article from a West journo. Match, match made in heaven, that. I know. The West and Kane Corns. The back page of today's West is an article. It's not by Kane Corns. It's an article by another West Australian journal saying the Eagles should not overpay for Paddy Cripps, according to Kane Corns. And it quoted an article and pointed you to an article that was in the same paper. KK, they're doing circle jerks now in the West Australian, just trying to get eyeballs onto Kane Corns. That, that is that is bull. That's villainous, if I ever saw villainous. Well, they're just being cheap, aren't they? I mean, is he actually writing for the West or is he writing for some other syndicated paper and they're just publishing it everywhere? No, he's all over the West. He's doing... He's tw- oh. he's tweeting. It's yeah, all bait, though. It's all bait and tweets. Yeah. Well, that, that's his... That, he's decided that's what he's going to be. He was a bloody average footballer who got away with... Uh, got a career out of being he was a tagger. Be a firefighter or something. And, yeah, if only. And yeah, now he, he's decided he's going to be he's going to be a media personality, but he doesn't have the talent for that either. So he's just going to be a shock job. Can't stand him. But having said all that, he, he's got a point. Uh, we don't want to overpay oh, for Crips. Who, who's talking about overpaying for Crips anyway? Uh, Kane Cortons. Exactly. It's like, <laughs> okay, I saw two articles in the West crips. today about it, so yeah, it's out there. there mate. Averaging two We're not articles. Crips. No, no, it's ludicrous. Uh, last one for me. I pulled alongside a car today, and the license plate was Hawks Three Pete, and it just pissed me off. Didn't like it, so villainous. <laughs> hated it. Um, villain of the week. That, that car would be getting along, getting on a bit now. Oh well, We've racked up a few k's by now. I uh, know, just doing the rounds. Nah, hate it. Get in the bin. Uh, Miguel, who gets your vote from the nominees? Who's Villain of the Week? Uh, Kane Corns. He's a knob. (laughs) Yep. Fair enough. Short and sweet. KK? Yeah, Kane Corns. Unanimous. Yeah, head of the pack. Kane Corns, our inaugural Villain of the Week. Maybe we'll name it after him. The Kane Corns Villain of the Week. (laughs) I might put that one out line. We'll, We'll see how that goes. All right, heroes. Positivity. Biggest hero for me this week, Stuart Dew's belt buckle. Holy shit. <laughs> he was 99 kilos. As a, hang on, let me start. Live your best life. I don't mind who you are, what you do, what you look like, how much you run, how much you eat. Live your best life, no issue at all. But his playing weight was 99. For some reason, Wikipedia has his weight at 130. So he's really leaning into the, the off-season or the permanent off-season that is coaching, I suppose. Uh, yeah, absolutely doing the Lord's work. Miguel, there are a few 
camera shots there, and it, it was it was doing some work that buckle. Yeah, as I said last week, I, I don't want to be the guy to criticise people's appearance, but yeah, he's uh, he was a big he was a big build as a player as well. He was a real throwback. Clearly knows the game and, and uh, can get away without with carrying a few extra pounds, but. Yeah, he's uh he's been in a good paddock. And he was wasn't he dating um he had a year off between leaving Port and joining Hawthorne and didn't he he went to LA because his girlfriend was oh, some hot blonde Australian actress. How did he pull that off? I've googled like, Stuart Dew dating. It's brought me to the website who's dating who dot com. Uh, and it says that wasn't bookmarked. <laughs> no, no, no. Unfortunately, uh, uh, Ra- Rachel Taylor or someone like that. Uh, or, um, Sarah Cumming and Teresa Palmer are the names on here. Teresa Palmer, Teresa Palmer, was Palmer, Palmer. Sarah Cumming as well. Yeah, he's done very well for himself. Oh, good on you, Stewie. Nicely done. Uh, KK, do you have a hero for hope Chris? For, hope for all us fat blokes everywhere. Uh, there's no hope <laughs> for us. Don't worry about that. Let's move it along. Um, you should bookmark this one because this will be a one-time only AFL Tribunal. Hero of the week. Wow. We had Paddy Dangerfield wipes a bloke out in the last practice game, gets away with it, wipes someone out in the first game of the season. We get the usual kind of media, oh, he's champion of the game, oh, you don't want to see players rubbed out. Tribunal like, nah, severe grading, straight to the tribunal, tried to argue it wasn't severe, take a story walk. And we had Dangerfield doing the um, pre-tribunal getting his case in through the media, mm. and then we had him sobbing to Jerry the day after like he felt like he was a murder. Like, <laughs> Jesus, mate, you got away with it once. Just take your whack, f*** off, and we'll see you in a few weeks. And well done to the AFL Tribunal for actually enforcing the rules. Would have been nice if they'd rubbed him out for, what, about five weeks, I think. That would have put him out of uh, our trip to Cadinia Park. Well, I, I did the maths. I did the maths, and when they rubbed out Swanee for a not even a similar bump, it was a much more fair and square bump than that. Two games, so it's about 22% of the AFLW season. 22% of the AFL season's about four and a half games. Five games, get him gone. See you later, Danger. Uh, Miguel, hero of the week for yourself? Uh, several heroes, uh, probably thousand or so. The uh, the group of the crowd that clapped uh, Matty Rowell as he came back around the boundary on his crutches wasn't a huge amount of coverage that I saw of it, but there was a little bit of coverage, and um, it's just nice to see an Eagles crowd getting um, some good news stories for once. So. Yeah, well done to the, to those people who um, showed an appropriate amount of respect to a, a great opposition player who'd uh, been pretty bloody unlucky and has been pretty unlucky for his uh, his career so far. Oh yeah, no worries, Miguel. Thank you. I'll take that one on behalf of the uh, of the applauding crowd. It's nice to be recognised. I'm just I'm just happy to be nominated. But uh, KK, I'll let you lead us off. Hero of the week, who gets your vote? Uh, I like the belt buckle call. Yeah, it was, it was pretty <laughs> funny watching him down on the bench. All right, Miguel, do we make it unanimous on the belt buckle as well? Uh, yeah, we'll give it to that. I was tossing up between that and the tribunal. No, I like the tribunal. I reckon we give it to the tribunal. They actually got one right. I honestly thought he could get maybe four, but they gave him three. They didn't let him weasel out. Do we? I reckon we pull the trigger on this. I reckon the AFL tribunal is a once and only once hero of the week. Uh, you can make a captain's call, but I'm voting for the belt buckle. <laughs> Don't blame me. I voted for the belt buckle. <laughs> Right, back to the footy. Moving on, the Eagles have a round two game, and of course, they are on the road. They're headed to Marvel Stadium, 12.20pm, Western Standard Time. It is the West Coast Eagles versus the Western Bulldogs. And Miguel, we talked last week when we previewed the Suns game about the fact that the midfield battle was going to be the key battle to watch. You know, the Suns have the good midfielders, the Eagles' depth is going to be tested. 
Well, if that was the case last week, I reckon the case this week is that times 10 because the Dogs midfield looked phenomenal in round one. They racked up the touches. They now lead the league, small sample size, I'll acknowledge that, but they lead the league in kicks, in handballs, of course, in disposals as well. They had a bunch of guys go 30-plus, a lot of good users of the footy at Footscray. So uh, Western Bulldogs midfield versus the West Coast Eagles midfield, perhaps that's one to watch. Yeah, it's um, that's going to be a real challenge for us. They improved, I think, um, one, what was one of their weaknesses um, over the off-season with uh, adding St- Stefan, not Stephen Martin, to the um, to the ruck. So um, playing him in tandem with Tim English. Yeah, that, um, that midfield is, is really strong. I think at either end, we've probably got the um, got the advantage. I think the area that they're really missing is key defenders. They've had um, they got Alex Keith in, obviously. They've had Ryan Gardner playing, and he uh, got an absolute bath from Mick Malthouse on radio when I was listening to that game. Not a fan of Ryan Gardner, he's uh, Mickey. So, yeah, we saw in the, the Gold Coast game that you know, playing those three tools, we can uh, take advantage of, uh, of sides. There aren't going to be too many sides that have you know, three quality key defenders that they can play on those guys. So whoever gets you know, someone batting out of their weight division or um, being called up, not AFL quality, being called up to sort of take a big body that someone will um, someone will get a matchup they can exploit. And uh, against Gold Coast, it was probably Oscar Allen who had um, Jack Bowes on him, who was giving away quite a few centimetres. But yeah, that's um, the advantage of you know Kennedy, even though I didn't think his form was great. He took Sam Collins and, and that, that meant that neither Darling nor Allen had to put up with Sam Collins. Um, so I think then, yeah, that's an advantage we can exploit against the Bulldogs. Uh, down the other end, I think we match up pretty well. Barass on Norton's pretty obvious. Uh, we've got McGovern and Rotham um, to, to take on uh, Bruce and uh, and English when he plays forward. So, yeah, I think we match up pretty well at either end of the ground. Um, but, yeah, it's the, the midfield that we've got the big challenge. Uh, and even bigger than uh, than last week. KK, I touched on the fact that the Dogs lead the league in handballs as well as kicks. They actually had the same amount of kicks as the Eagles. If you look at their kick-to-handball ratio, 1.26 in their round one game against Collingwood. Now you look at the Eagles' kick-to-handball, 1.98. So basically two kicks for every handball. That's been the case under Simo, more or less. When we push towards two, we're usually playing pretty well, but it's always been a high ratio. Two fairly contrasting game styles and now a new set of rules to combat. And you mentioned earlier that you saw the Suns start to cut through the Eagles pretty easily. So are you worried about that run and gun sort of play on from behind game style when the dogs take the field? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I'd like to see a bit better forward pressure this week than we had last week. Um, but really the Gold Coast movement, a lot of it was by foot. They, they really sort of got it out of the back line up into the the, the wing at least pretty easily but we cut off the corridor and, and stopped them getting any deep kicks inside 50. Uh, against the Bulldogs like we're, we're not going to win the midfield battle I think just the, the weight of numbers and quality it, it's not going to happen they can afford to have Bailey Smith and Wontempelli spend most of the um, game in the forward line whereas we, we'd kill to have one of those guys in the middle at the moment but I think you, you, the ratio you talked about that's really how we're going to beat them we're just going to have to be more efficient and we're going to have to make more ground with our possessions than they do, soak up the pressure, hit them the other way. And I'm, I'm not probably as worried about the, the running gun style because I don't think we'll be committing players forward as um, as much as maybe we've done in the past against a opponent that we might dominate. I really think we're just going to try and clog it up with numbers and go the other way, get isolated matchups in our forward line because that, that's where we have the strength. They don't really have great matchups for, for our tools. Um, and then Liam Ryan, who doesn't really have a good matchup against any team, to be honest. Um, so I, I think that'll be our, our sort of main strategy is just 
keep it tight and almost play a, a park the bus Jose Mourinho kind of style, which might not be. It's not great to watch, but when you win, it's bloody awesome to watch. G'day, Jose, if you're listening. You talked about forward pressure there, KK. I'll open up to both of you guys now. We'll hit up some changes, and I think it's going to circle around that forward pressure. Uh, for myself, I'll keep it short and sweet. Petrocelli out, and in comes Jermaine Jones from that sub spot. Uh, Miguel, throw it to yourself. Any other changes, or, or indeed, would you like to make that change? Are there any changes you'd like to make for round two? Uh, that was the one change I had, and it was um, pretty common one. I think when you go through the changes thread, uh, Jones unlucky to um, not play, although he is credited with a game, as we said earlier. Unlucky to not play um, against Gold Coast. Uh, Petrocelli, I didn't think did enough in the last. He, he came alive in the last quarter. He had some really uh, important involvements. Uh, and then a cheap last goal as well, but didn't think he did enough to, to overcome his dead quiet first three quarters. And yeah, Jones just brings that um, that forward pressure is really important. So yeah, I'd have him uh, have them swapping. I'd take Pitch over as the 23rd man, mostly because I just thought the Victorian should go over and get a chance to see his family. Uh, Vardy's the other issue, I suppose. Uh, he also was quiet for probably three quarters, um, then kicked a, a cheap late goal. Only one hit out is a bit of a worry, although he was probably, I don't know, Sam Day didn't get a hit out. So I assume that when Vardy was rucking, he was rucking against Jared Witts for all of his, all but one of his contests, I suppose. There are a couple as well that I, when I saw that he got the hit out, because I don't look at the stats usually until the very end of the game. And when I saw that he'd only had one hit out, I'm thinking, yeah, I can picture a couple of contests that he definitely, I would have thought, had some involvement in. I don't know how they officially pick whose hand it hit and what constitutes yeah. a proper hit out and whatever, whatever, but... I guess when you when you've only finished with one, it's the same criteria for everybody. So you know it's still nothing to you know find home about it anyway. Yeah, I think we persist with him. He's holding basically the spot until um, until Bailey Williams can get some fitness up. But yeah, I don't think we can. You know that the other option is to play Allen, I suppose, and he's shown he's probably too important to be chucking the ruck against um, Stephen Martin and uh, and Tim English. So yeah, I think we just persist with Vardy um, for another week at least. The, the back line was performed too well, I think, for anyone to force their way in. And um, as I said, Witherden, I didn't think, did enough at, at Bassendine to, to warrant pushing anyone out of that side, and he'd be next in. So, yeah, just the one change. KK, changes from yourself. And also, we will talk about that ruck battle a little bit more because the Dogs only had 19 total hitouts in round one. Uh, Nick Nat had 22 himself, and as we've said, Vardy, just the one. Is that a pairing that you'd like to see persist, or do we go small and sort of just seed the hitouts when Nick Nat's having to take his rest on the bench? Uh, I think with the the players we've got available at the moment, that we're going to stick with what we've got. I think Simo's pretty wedded to that two-ruck strategy, and yeah, I I don't really see a reason to go away from it. You're going to be pulling someone else out of position to play that role, or you're you're going to bring Edwards in or, or whatnot. So I think I think we'll stick with that. It's not it's not too bad an idea. If there's one, if we can get first hands on the ball, it might help sort of nullify their general midfield dominance. But my change is yeah, I'm the same as you guys. Uh, Jones in for Pech. He's a more natural forward. He's going to get more of the ball. Just just be more involved than than Petch was. He's still Petch is still learning about where to run and how to get into the right spots. And this is going to be a really really tough game. Uh, we not we can't beat them with 21 players, so we're going to need, need Jones in there. I would, I'd keep Petch in the team. He's handy to have as a medical sub. He can play a few different positions, and if someone were just perhaps to get a game-ending injury late in the third quarter maybe, then um, I could see Petch with his speed being quite useful in the last quarter for that. 
So that's, that's a pretty straightforward change for me. Uh, no one else has sort of done really anything to warrant getting dropped. So we just don't have the, the depth at the moment of available players pushing for selection. So it's pretty pretty fixed lineup for the moment. we just got to do with what we got. Let's talk the uh, let's talk the tagging role. Thanks, Simo. We'll talk the tag and not the cooler. Miguel, we saw Jack Redden have a pretty quiet game on Sunday last week. He did pick up a lot in the last quarter, I actually thought. So that was really impressive and certainly very welcome. But... We've seen him deployed in the past as someone that runs that defensive wing sort of run with role. It doesn't look like we're going so hard and fast with the defensive winger, but we might be leaning a little bit more on a more traditional tagger. Do you think there's somebody on the dogs that merits a tag or is, is the talent just too widespread? You've kind of got to go head to head with them and just hope you're winning your battles. Well, in the past, we've seen um, Yo go head to head with Bontempelli and, and do a really good job on him. And with him obviously being unavailable, I, th- I think that's a job that Redden could do. Um, maybe not for 100% of game time, but um, certainly if, if Bont's looking like he's going to get off the chain, then uh, maybe you can send Redden to him to cool him. Thanks, Simo, for a bit. Sorry, I know you don't want to use that phrase, but... I'm actually now... I'm, I'm you kind of low-key torn between do we just lean all the way into it and just, <laughs> everything's the cooler now. We'll figure that out as the season goes on. I thought you were just going to bleep it out. Of, of yeah, that's I said. Um, so, yeah, Red, Redden... It, you know he's got the he's got the size to be able to match um, Bontempelli, and he seems to be pretty angry at the moment as well. So yeah, he can probably get a bit of a uh, bit of niggle in. But yeah, whether we do that full time or um, whether it's just you know if Bontempelli goes into the middle and uh, looks dangerous, then we do it because we probably don't want Redden. You no, know, if he spends time forward, we don't want Redden sort of following him down there and and getting in the way of the back six. So yeah, maybe that's an option. Uh, I don't know what we really did with the defensive winger on the on the weekend. I couldn't work it out. Duggan might have been playing it a little bit if it still exists. But we, yeah, we, as you said, we might have gone away from it. If Redden's angry, he must have been reading the game day thread. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I know. Poor bugger. It's taking a real so. kicking in that one. Old Jackie Redden. Yeah. KK, another guy, another midfielder who was perhaps a little bit down on their usual standard on Sunday was Andrew Gaff. Just the 16 disposals. It's the lowest that he's had since last season against the Dogs. He only had 15. Now, of course, that's shortened quarters. Full-length quarters, I'm trying to find a time he had under 20, and I'm scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, and I just can't find it. Is Gaffy poised for a bounce back as the Eagles make their first return to Victoria for coming up on nearly two years now? I think so. I think class is permanent, form is temporary, as they say. And it's so unusual for him to have such a down game, and he was looking looking his normal self in pre-season. So um, I'm prepared to write that off as a blip until, until proven otherwise, and I don't really see... I think the dogs are much of a, a tagging team. I like, could be getting that wrong. Or if they would, they might be tending to tag inside. So, yeah, I'll back Gaff in to, to bounce back. And we're going to need him. As I said, we can't have passengers. And um, that probably includes we can't have one of our All-Australian midfielders getting sub-20 possessions in this game. It's interesting because he, he still topped the uh, the kilometres run, as he always does. But he just yeah, was he just not used by his teammates? Or did he, was he running to the wrong spots? Or was he running as a bit of a decoy? Didn't seem to be a tag on him. Miller was alongside him a little bit, but... Yeah, that's the thing that threw me because he's torched the Suns several times now. I think I picked him for my best, you know, predicted him for my best player on. And obviously he was nowhere near that. But the the reasoning behind the pick was because he's torched them time and time again over the last few years. But they didn't seem to be putting a lot of attention in him. Maybe I'll go back through it and have another bit of a look. But it didn't seem like anyone was desperately running with him. And, and honestly, if they were trying, good luck to him because no one's keeping up with it. It was It was just a very odd... Bit of output from Gaff. I think I did notice a few times that when we had sort of stoppages on the wing and if we did win a clearance, we were looking to to bring that inside whereas to 
supposed to go on the outside. So it might be the case that he was there in his usual spots and we were just going different ways. Like um, sometimes those things happen. Yeah, it's a small sample size. We'll have to see how it all plays out as the season goes on. We'll get more of a clue, I suppose, as how, how they're using that, that second winger and all sort of strategic changes that they're making this year. Uh, picks time. Time to make the picks. Time to tip who's going to win. Miguel, you're going to tell me who is going to win. Hopefully you're going to say the Eagles. You're going to tell me by how much, and then you're going to tell me which Eagle is going to stand out in round two. Oh, you're not going to like this then. Um, oh, Jesus, look, no. I've tipped the Bulldogs. And the reason for reason I've tipped us, I think, um, from everything we've said, it'll be um, very even across the ground. Uh, midfields where we'll have our battle, but um, the one thing we haven't turned, around, turned talked about, and I think it'll um, it might be the deciding factor in a very close game, is um, the shorter turnaround that we've had. Bulldogs played on the Friday night, we played on the Sunday uh, in 38 degree weather, uh, and I think um, between two very even teams, I think that might be the difference. So yeah, at the risk of uh, making excuses for a loss before we've even played. I'm making that excuse, and I've tipped the Bulldogs by 15. And I forgot to pick a best on, but I'll go with uh, Zach Langdon to bob up and, and kick a couple of goals. It is um, kick his first club goal, and then maybe one more. There you go, Zach. Yeah, the the heat sways me. I, I agree with that because it was bloody hot, and it was obviously you know a pretty close game. It was still a live game until the very very last couple of minutes. Whereas the Dogs, the scoreboard looks a little closer than perhaps the game was, and. Yeah, they probably got to stick it in cruise control a little bit. Seven days versus nine days, I'm not so fussed on. Once you get seven days, I think it's it's okay. Anything that you... Ta- you know, if the opposition get nine or ten, whatever, honestly, if they're starting to get out into 12, 13, 14, it's probably rust territory starts creeping in. So the, the temperature sways me. The, the, uh, the break's not so much. KK, for yourself, do you echo Miguel's sentiments that the dogs are going to win or... Are the Eagles going to start the season 2-0? Oh, you're probably going to hate me even more because I'm... Oh, for God's more... sakes, guys, I'm not having you back. <laughs> this, nah, this, this, I'm taking the headphones off. This is useless. Nah, it's it's personal expectation, Mage, but like, I've, I've been pretty disappointed the last two years um, following on from a premiership. And uh, until until I see that turn around, that we're going to pull our finger out and, and turn up every week, then um, I'm going to hold that pessimism. And I think Bulldogs, are, they're a hungry side. They're expecting big things from them this season. And I, I just don't really know if we're going to stand up to that kind of pressure, and I really hope I'm wrong. But, yeah, I think I'm going to go a higher margin. I think 30 points. I think we might get a bit of a, a bit of a shock this week. And But hopefully it's me getting the shock. And for best on ground, we talked about him before, Shannon Hearn. I think we're going to need a real, a real rock down back. This game, we're going to be under pressure and really encourage the way he started the season last week. And I think he'll continue that on. Right. I'm bucking the trend. I know I'm always positive, but good God, somebody has to be. This is dreary. The Eagles have won six games in a row. No, I actually didn't. I I never went to school. I don't know how to count. The Eagles have won five games in a row against the Bulldogs. They did lose last year, but as we discussed, last year doesn't count. It's completely irrelevant. Oh, you lost by two points at Carrara Stadium? Not bothered, mate. Five games in a row against the Dogs. And we've seen Liam Ryan on the road be an absolute hero. So I'm backing him to pick that one up. He was a little bit quiet on Sunday. He's got a lot more room for improvement in him. So feed him the footy. Let him go to work. The Eagles are going to win. They're going to win by 13 points. And I'm going to come on the pod next week and laugh in everybody's face. Please do. 
That will do it from us this week. Thank you very much for listening once again. Thanks for all your feedback on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. To everybody that gave us a three-word review or got involved on, on Twitter or Facebook, again, thank you very much. So fantastic to hear from you all throughout round one. Miguel Sanchez, you've been back on the show once more. Fantastic to hear from you as well. Yeah, no worries. And I'm looking forward to uh, coming on next week and having you rub your success in my face. Is that right? Is that what you're going with? Bloody hell. That's uh, quite the mouthful there, Miguel. We'll move along from that very swiftly. Thank you. Mr. KK, season debut and a fond one at that. Thank you very much for returning to the show. Uh, good to be back. And yeah, listeners, please um, smash me in the comments next week when um, we pull up the famous victory. <laughs> Sorry. One of you's rubbing something in your face and one of you's getting smashed in the comments. This is not what I envisaged at all for this episode. It's turned blue late. This is Big Footy Podcast up late. Fantastic. Oh, well, guys, you can always get in contact with us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, Big Footy, Twitter, Facebook. You know all the drill by this point. Uh, Share the podcast as well. Tell a mate. We'd really appreciate growing it a little bit in season 2021. We will talk to you next week. We will recap the Eagles' win. Thank you very much, guys, against the Western Bulldogs. We're going to talk all things West Coast Eagles news, injuries, preview round three, and uh, we'll, we'll be celebrating quite hard next week on the pod after a fantastic win. Until then, guys, we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye.